A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's an enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on this bank holiday Friday. It's bank holiday, everyone, and it's great. And uh, I think I was just looking at the weather forecast before coming on air today. Looks a bit dodgy today, but not too bad. Tomorrow, maybe another dodgy day, but Sunday looks to be a really good day. So uh, if you have any plans for the beach, maybe that's the day to go. Um, And because it's bank holiday here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM, we're going to try and keep the show as upbeat as we can. Are you a fan of seafood? We'll be talking about a Cork plan to highlight the best that Cork has to offer. Are you single and looking for love? Well, this could be your lucky weekend. And have you ever brought anything weird or wonderful home after a night out? Let us know on 1850 715 996 or text us on 0833 96 96 96. Now, um, we know that uh, all the pubs and restaurants were allowed to open for indoor dining on Monday. So for those who have opened, this is the first weekend that they're going to have. And joining me now on the line is Noreen Gannon from Gallagher's here on McCartan Street. Good morning, Noreen. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Noreen, you just got opened in the last day, is that right? Yeah, on Wednesday afternoon. Yes, we opened on Wednesday. We're so happy to be back. Really so happy. And how have things been going since you opened? Things have been going steady. You know, we we went for a soft opening and we're open from 2 to uh, 11 at night time. And... um, it's it's been going well, you know. Obviously, the the new procedures in place, and mm. uh, everyone is very cooperative. You know, there's a wait coming in the door, you know, and the the, the procedures are there, and there's, we've been complimented a lot on our safety, you know, yeah. and procedures. So so far, so good. Yes, it is. You know, there is a lot more involved, but before lockdown, we we were doing this anyway. So it's just just the scanning is the extra thing now for us, you know. Yeah. And I suppose, like, this is the big weekend now, really, for pubs in the city, isn't it? It is indeed, yes, yeah. What's the atmosphere um, like amongst the publicans? Well, excitement, really, to be back, and especially, you know, we were so grateful to our team, and they were so excited to be back. So that alone was just, you know, 
it's just worth it really, you know. Yeah. And to see our customers again, you know, it's it's great. We did a little bit of work in the in the to make it a bit more exciting when we opened up. So yeah. all good. All good. And for people who are going out, I suppose just to remind them what they need because um do you know it is a little bit different now, isn't it? It is, and I suppose there is challenges over the next few weeks because you you, you have to have your QR code or your digital search. Um, but some people are not finished their vaccination and some mm-hmm. people are just waiting on their search. So there's a little bit of confusion. So, you know, the, the indoor and the outdoor, you have to kind of be, be on top of it and people need to be very clear if they're coming indoors, what needs to be be done as opposed to outdoors, you know. And the challenges like the weather, as you said last night, and possibly today, as you were mentioning there, and tomorrow. So indoors is very important, but it, it, it just takes a bit of time now. I think there'll be two more weeks before it really can settle back in. Mm. And so I suppose... Far, but- just when you mentioned there about the digital search, and I think it's something that people really need to bear in mind when they are going out, that you won't be able to get inside. Well, the whole party won't be able to get inside if somebody yes. isn't vaccinated. So I suppose before making a booking, you need to make sure that everyone in your party has been vaccinated. And when we do the, that online, Fiona, with our, our online booking system, it, it actually you have to tick the box and make so that people are aware that this is the case, you know. Yeah. So it's and not just it really a case of them being vaccinated. They also have to have the cert to prove it. That's right, yeah. That's yeah. right. There is procedures and, you know, there will be inspections as well. But, you know, not ideal for the public. And we've had a, and the restaurateurs, we've had a hard time, but we've our doors open and that's the main thing. Yeah, and you I'm know? sure there's lots of people who are really looking forward to getting out again this weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot in the last week about fake bookings in restaurants, which just seems like the most heinous of, of uh, things for people to do to a business, especially businesses that have been out of work for so long and yes. have had a tough time. So are we hearing of any of that in Cork? I don't think it's as, as rampant here in Cork as maybe other places around the country. Well, as I said, um, it's such, such a nasty thing to do, you know. Um, it's been hard enough for the industry. It really is not necessary. I mean, the, the procedures that are in place are very stringent. And it's, it's quite a safe environment to come in. You know, we're not parting inside. We're sitting down, having meals, behaving ourselves and delighted to be out. Mm. To do something like that is just not nice. No. But having said that, we we have had no problem. You know, we have nice customers in Cork, in fairness, and and loyal customers. We do you know. indeed. Um, Noreen, a caller has just been in touch with us here on the opinion line on Cork's ninety six FM, asking what is the requirement for photo ID? Is a PPS card acceptable? Is it an employer's ID acceptable, or is it just a driving license or passport? A picture ID, yeah, and uh, the, the digital cert. Okay, so like a picture, yes. a picture ID could be your PPS card. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. it do, doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be a driver's license because obviously everybody you know, doesn't some have people that. People don't drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's brilliant. And I suppose uh, for your staff, so everybody's really excited. Yeah, I just can't thank them enough. The, the the effort that's been put in in the last couple of weeks with them, you know, they were just fantastic. Mm. So on behalf of myself and Martin to say that. It's a great opportunity on the radio to say thank you so much and, you know, to everyone who helped us to get back on our feet, you know, be suppliers or contractors. Mm. You know, they've been wonderful. Because I know, like, we had a good few weeks there where the weather was lovely and people were able to, to dine outside. But this is Ireland. We can't rely on the weather. So, you know, for some, outdoor dining just isn't really an option. 
Yes, and uh, that is the problem with us on that corner, you know, mm. you know, and hopefully uh, going forward, you know, that we have learned as a, a country in the city that, you know, this outdoor dining is just fantastic and, you know, that maybe we can make outdoor dining safer or more comfortable from the rain, you know, and the mm. wind for the winter and it's a great opportunity to, to try and do that going forward, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I think anyway, I'm hoping that we, we get to talk to city councils and I'm sure because they've been fantastic as well in their help to support, you know, the businesses, to, you know, to, to be able to, to, to achieve the outdoor dining. So I think we've all learned great lessons and I think it'll be very positive for the future. I think it will. I think it will. Um, yeah. That's lovely, Noreen. Listen, thanks so much and best of luck to you and your staff and best of luck to all of the publicans and restaurants that are um, open this weekend. We'll be back after this. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the hit mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Now, coming up shortly, we will be talking about the funniest thing that you've ever brought home on a night out. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear some of your stories. 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. But before that, um, we were speaking in the news earlier this week about Bantry Hospital going from a four-consultant hospital to two and the effects that that's having both on hospital staff and on the community and joining me now is uh, Dr Laura Cullen she's a rural GP in Bantry good morning Laura good morning thank you for having me and thank you for joining us on the opinion line this morning Laura the concerns that um, people have about this situation where Bantry Hospital has gone from a four consultant hospital to two what kind of an impact first of all is it having on people Okay, well, just first of all, to clarify, I actually don't work in Bantry Hospital. I'm, I, I know you said I'm a local GP, but I don't have actually any work in the hospital itself. Okay. But, um, and also to clarify that the hospital has not permanently gone from a four-hospital um, or four-consultant hospital to two. Um, it's just that we've had two retirements in recent years okay. um, and no replacements for those uh, doctors in place as of yet, you know. So okay. in terms of how it impacts on the community, I suppose I can talk from my own perspective and also from my patient's perspective. So just to give you a little kind of story um, or an example. So in recent days, I would have been out um, to the house of an elderly gentleman who would have been quite seriously unwell. Um, And um, as a result of the shortages in Bantry, they shut the doors of the admissions section to the Bantry Hospital um, because it was dangerous to take more patients because there just wasn't enough medical staff to to manage um, the patients that were there. So I went to this elderly gentleman and he couldn't benefit from, from hospital care. Um, and so the suggestion was that he'd be transferred as a result of CUH. Now, unfortunately, um, the family just felt that that was not something that they could do because they were concerned that he was very vulnerable. He'd be left on a trolley in CUH. 
um, and that they wouldn't be able to see him with the distance and also with the COVID restrictions. So they opted not to transfer him to hospital. And, and that's not an unusual story. That's the story we hear in general practice all the day, all the time, particularly mm. in rural areas. You know, that's one example. Another example is actually a colleague had a, had a patient come in to him who could have done with hospital care, but, um, but basically it wasn't a an, an call an ambulance kind of situation. OK, yeah. and he felt that he should be seen. Um, and uh, the gentleman didn't have any transport. So we are an hour and 40 minutes by bus to Cork University Hospital. And that's if the bus comes. (laughs) So that gentleman didn't go, you know, um, and there was no options for him to be treated locally. Now, as GPs, we do our best and we we keep eyes on people and, you know, but that's how it affects patients. How it affects those professionally then as GPs, and we're under pressure as well, we don't have enough of ourselves locally either, mm-hmm. is that we take those kind of scenarios home with us, and often very late at night. And last night, because of of the situation in Bantry, I got home really quite late to mm-hmm. a not very happy daddy of my two not very happy girls. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not asking people to feel sorry for me. That's not. I'm a professional. That's not yeah. unusual. But what that highlights is the pressure that doctors are under make choices between their careers and their families because the system is under so much pressure and that's one of the reasons that doctors are leaving the country and And retiring early. Is that why we can't find replacement consultants in Bantry because they're just not available here because a lot of the junior consultants have moved away? So basically the junior doctors um, they uh, so so basically, we have a national problem. Bantry is no different from that. Yeah. But, but the issue is that Bantry is an under-resourced kind of rural hospital. Again, not a new story. I'm not saying anything new. Mm-hmm. But like any crisis, under-resourced areas tend to feel the brunt of these things. Because we had four consultants four years ago, four permanent consultants four years ago. And now, in recent weeks, we only have two. So, um, so basically, how that filters down the ranks is that there isn't enough boots on the ground to train junior doctors. So when doctors finish, finish their medical degree, they then start a 10-year, approximately 10-year apprenticeship where they're working the whole time, but they're constantly training. They have to do that to, to climb the ranks mm. themselves. And when there isn't enough boots on the ground to train them, they'll go to places where they can get training, where the conditions are such that the training is possible. Um, and where they don't have to make choices between their careers and their families. And at the moment, that place is Australia. And so as of the 30th of June, as per Dr. Neve Humphreys and the Royal College of Physicians, there's 271 visas been issued to Irish doctors to go to Western Australia. So this is the kind of situation we're dealing with. Then how that impacts back up the ranks, because it's not a vacuum kind of system, Mm. is that the retiring doctors then basically are, you know, or not so much the retiring doctors, but the doctors are in their later years who have unbelievable amounts of experience are then carrying more, more, um, I suppose, of the, the load. And then their, their situation becomes untenable. So the, the, actual, the actual system is under so much pressure that people are just looking for a way out. That's not to say that people aren't working hard and doing their best. And thankfully in the pandemic, some young doctors came home but what we're seeing from research, and this isn't my opinion, this is published research, is that young doctors go out to systems with the hope of coming home at a later stage in their career. But they see that these other systems work and they don't have to make difficult decisions either in work or at home. And they find it increasingly difficult the longer they're there to come back to a system that they know doesn't work. 
So basically, that's it's quite a complex issue. It's mm. a national one, but um, but it really plays out in a place here where there isn't very many doctors in the first place. So that's kind of the long and the short of it, really. And Laura, I suppose like the government earlier this year launched a campaign to try and encourage more people to move out of the country's cities like Cork and Mm -hmm. into more rural areas like Bantry, for example. But do you Mm -hmm. think that um, it like issues like this need to be resolved first before we start encouraging more people to move to rural areas? Well, that was one of the things I suppose that I'm particularly concerned about because we've seen in general practice locally, particularly here in, in West Cork, that our numbers are going up. We're getting maybe 15 to 20 new patient requests every week. And they're generally people who are moving out of the cities or moving back from abroad. Hmm. So, And they're not kind of traditionally would, would have seen retirees coming back to Bantry from all over the world. But what we're seeing now is young people who can now work remotely. But we do also have an increase in that retirement group. So they would also have more chronic medical needs. Um, and that makes it more difficult. So it appears that there's still kind of a, a policy of the government to centralise healthcare. And I know we need a concentration of expertise. But then on the other hand, we have a policy in government to move people out of the cities, which is very much publicised at the moment. And so that really worries me that there isn't joined up thinking between the various departments who decide these things and the policymakers who decide these things. So in Bantry, we had four consultants four years ago. And as of recent weeks, with an early retirement, we have two. That fourth consultant wasn't replaced in my time. And now I know there's been efforts gone in to try and find somebody to replace them, but that hasn't happened. And so now we've had an early retirement of another consultant and um, in recent weeks. And because the other consultant wasn't replaced, now we have two consultants who haven't been replaced. And locum doctors are off, often the solution in an emergency situation. That's great that we have their help. But you need permanent consultants to carry a hospital, to carry the clinical load in a hospital, because it's actually, particularly in a rural area, quite a nuanced um, specialty, you know? Yeah. Dr. Cullen, um, a listener has been in touch. This is just on a, on a separate issue. Uh, Monica mm-hmm. has been in touch via WhatsApp on 083 396 asking, would the doctor know if a partner isn't vaccinated, will he be allowed to attend the birth of his baby? Now, obviously, the maternity hospital restrictions is something that we've covered a lot on the show and still so many questions around it. But would you know, I don't know if this is something that you would know, but like if a partner isn't vaccinated, will he be allowed to attend the birth of his baby? I, I- Unfortunately, I actually don't have the specifics of those details. I know that's a bit of a grey area. Um, And the reason why it's grey is because that leaves um, regulations that are given to a hospital open to interpretation, you know. Um, uh, So, no, I'm sorry, I I can't help your caller there, but probably the best thing to do is there's a lot of online um, traffic in relation to that issue and maybe to contact the organisations that are currently campaigning, you know, about those things, yeah. And I suppose maybe contact the hospital as well. They'd probably yeah, have... yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I can't. You know, it, it's hard to see how they could actively discriminate. But, um, but at the same time, you can understand from the hospital's perspective that, you know, that person is there for a higher risk to some of the most vulnerable people, and mm. um, that we have because women in the third trimester at the moment are being shown again in more recent research to be actually 
at higher risk and more likely to become more ill, not just from COVID, but from the particular Delta variant that we're dealing with at the moment. Okay. Dr. Laura Cullen, thank you very much for taking our call on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. We have been contacted by people with regards to the vaccine card and uh, the digital cert. Uh, One person has been in touch to say, hi, Fiona, my sister has been been vaccinated but didn't receive a digital cert, only a paper one. She is wondering if this can be used to get into a restaurant. And that came in from Kate. Thank you, Kate. And I think, yes, um, I think the confusion might be the bar needs to scan um, the code with a phone, but you don't have to have um, a, a digital one. As far as I know, you don't have to have it on your phone. I think if you bring in the paper, they should be able to scan it. Um, and somebody else has been in touch. Just a quick note on indoor. Anyone that's that's not got their cert, they can use completed vaccine card as well with photo ID. And that has come in from Paul. Thank you very much for that. Now, um, we were saying at the top of the show that we were going to be discussing the funniest thing that you've brought home on a night out. And joining me now is Julie Haynes. Julie, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. Now, Julie, on your Instagram, Twins and Me, you put up a post the other day asking people about the funniest thing that they've brought home after a night out. Um, First of all, why did you post that? (laughs) Well, I suppose... Obviously, like all of us, we were all stuck in the past year and a half. And last weekend was one of the first nights I actually got out to with my friends. So we had a great night. But on my way home in the taxi, I did see a few lads dragging a traffic cone home. And I just, Jesus. So then I said, you know what? In the morning, I'll ask my followers on Instagram what's the funniest thing that they've brought home from the night out. And some of those answers, I was reading through them and I have to say they were absolutely brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I got about, I'd say it was about 500 answers. I was guessing the past couple of days. <laughs> so can you tell me some of the funniest ones that you saw? Yeah, so I wrote down some of the top comments that I loved anyway. So um, I had one girl saying that she brought home a giant hard elf as around Christmas time. <laughs> and she said the following day she actually returned to the pub, but Un- she had to seatbelt the elf into the car. Um, I had some saying that they brought home politicians' posters and waking up the next morning and having like Leo looking at them in face. I had, I had no said my boyfriend and he's still around six years later. I had um, I had loads of animals like I had like dogs and cats and I had one girl saying that her brother brought home a horse. Ah, stop! A that horse. couldn't be real. A horse and. He left the horse out in the green of their housing estate. I and what did she do with it the next day? I, I never, I, I don't know. Um, I have to ask, but I had another girl saying that she brought home a fake bush or a bush from somebody else's garden and it's still in her garden seven years later. <laughs> I had loads. Like, I had another girl saying that she brought home a dartboard, but she stuck it up her dress to get it out of the pub. It was gas. It was just... <laughs> brilliant I I just thought it was the funniest thing ever I was talking to some of the lads here before um, we came to air this morning and one of the girls in the office was saying that she knows somebody who went out with 20 euro and came home with 50 euro whatever (laughs) happened on that night out Um, I myself came home one night with a fold up stool (laughs) that came our garden deck chair came in as well somebody else came home with a man's suit jacket (laughs) no man in it (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, one girl said, I brought home the bear, man. I was like, oh, oh. God. <laughs> what do you think it is about us, Julie, that we feel that we have to bring, like, something home with us after a night out? Is it not enough that we just get We're ourselves not, home? <laughs> or, or even when we go to a hotel stay, we always seem to be and the conditioners and the soap and I know I do anyway I like if you put them all into your bank I don't know what I know. Like I've heard now, like that, you know, you might take the little sample shampoo or whatever, but I've heard of people taking towels and the robes and pillows. And I'm like, do you know, is there any need for that really? <laughs> no, there's not. But like, like oh, we're definitely, like, we, I, I, I took things home myself. We're like, like beautiful, you know, the lovely gin glasses now or the salt and pepper shake or something. <laughs> but like, like a souvenir home. I know, I think like when you're in the pub and you see like really fancy glasses, um, you know, you are so tempted to just slip it into the bag to bring it yeah, home. And it's more of the crack as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like this girl, a dashboard off her dress. I'm like, how did you get away with that one? I know, like did they not think that she was a bit of a weird shape? Do you, know? <laughs> you think like, I'm fine, this is fine, like. <laughs> I was it was so funny we had a good crack now the past couple of days um, the answer I'd um, love to hear of some of our listeners what they brought home after nights out <laughs> I'm sure there's some weird and wonderful stories out there 1850 <laughs> what about yourself Julie have you ever brought home anything strange <laughs> I, I'm nothing like that just stupid things now like um, the glasses the salt and pepper you know these kind of things but nothing like um, a horse or a ghost <laughs> I'm being told here, I don't know if this came in from a comment or is this or from a listener or is this from, um, oh no, it's caller. <laughs> there was a pub in Cork and it had a speaker over the door. One day a guy picked up the speaker on his way out, big professional speaker like, and went off with it. <laughs> as you do, as you do. <laughs> and I wonder, do people bring the things home or back the next day to where they got them? Like the ultimate walk of shame, do you know? <laughs> walk of shame now one girl did say the girl that brought the heart as a giant elf home from a Christmas party she had the seatbelt the elf in the car (laughs) wasn't there an incident was it about two or three years ago with a pub in Cork and a couple of guys took a bench from outside the pub and they were caught on CCTV and it went up on social media but they did bring the bench back but I mean like (laughs) like, what were they thinking but it's just it's a bit of crack at the time. It's just... Uh, I don't know. I think it's when you wake up the next day and you see, like, you know, the poster of a politician yeah, <laughs> beside yeah. you in the bed and you you're think, like, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a sign of a good thing. <laughs> I, won't, I won't get into any of the pubs in the car. Here's your one. Julie, thanks so much for joining us on the opinion line on Corks 96 FM this morning. Anybody got anything weird or wonderful that they've brought home after a night out? 1850 715 996 083 396 96 96. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The 
Big Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Summertime in Cork. And whether you're heading off on staycation, you're chilling out in the garden, or you're driving home to get the barbecue on, make sure you're with me on the Big Drive Home for all that's happening in Cork, the biggest prizes to give away, and four hours of summer anthems. So join me weekdays from 4. The Big Drive Home. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. The Big Drive Home. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. Before the break, I was speaking to Julie there about the funniest things that people have brought home. Johnny has been in touch to say, my wife. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny, for that. Um, also, earlier in the week, we were speaking to Shane Dunn from Independence about um, a, they can't obviously have independence in the way we know um, this year because of COVID-19. And they did announce an autumn air series. It was a number of smaller gigs around the Mitchellstown area. And they have just announced on Twitter that... Um, all shows at Autumn Air are now sold out. Thank you to everyone who got a ticket and apologies to those who missed out. Hopefully we can release a few more before September. Thanks to the Department of Culture for the support. And that was support that they got from uh, through funding. Now, also last week, um, I was speaking to a man called Speedo Mick. If you don't remember, uh, Speedo Mick, he's from Liverpool, but he's been walking around the UK and Ireland in his Everton Speedos. And he's trying to raise um, money for the Speedo Mick Foundation. Now, uh, when I was speaking to him, he had landed in Belfast, I think. But today he is joining me from Cork. Good morning, Speedo Mick. <laughs> Good morning. I'm top of the morning. Yeah. And to you. <laughs> I'm actually in Mallow. I'm actually in Mallow. You're in Mallow. I'm on my way to, I'm, yeah, I'm on my way to, to Cork today. And I've got to admit, I'm in a van. I'm in a van. And <laughs> but I'm just, I'm a bit late setting off today. But what I've done was, I was supposed to have walked to Mallow yesterday, but I walked past it, I just thought I'll get some more miles in. So I've got about 10 miles past Mallow. So now I'm in a van. <laughs> I'm not cheating. <laughs> and, I've got, and I'm going back to where, to where I got picked up to, to, to go back to, to, to Mallow to stay yesterday. And how has so, your walk been through Ireland? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. Honestly, I, I mean, talk about the full thing being, you know what I mean? Honestly, I mean, you obviously I've, I've physically mentally and emotionally drained but what's happened is I've been given all that back by by uh, the, the Irish folk man who's been coming up to me and, and just giving me loads of you know just loads of babes and obviously there's not a lot of hugs going on yeah. but there's loads of support and there's loads of love do you know what I mean? There's loads of positivity. You know, like, go on Speedo, like, like I'm one of the next-door neighbours or something, you know. And <laughs> so obviously, Speedo, like, we had a heat wave last week. Was that any? Was that causing oh. you any difficulties? Oh, it was causing me... It was causing me a lot of chafing, for one, and um, it was... Uh, <laughs> it was uh, and honestly, it was just... I, I'd rather it be snowed, to be honest. I'd rather it snowed. It was, uh, it was really, really difficult walking through. I mean, 32 degrees at one point. Yeah, because one of our listeners got in touch with us last week and said that they have a picture, I think, with you. Um, they met you in a December in your Speedos and we were saying, God, you yeah. must have been the same colour as your Speedos. At that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. well, what seems to be happening? If, if, if I'm in summer, if it's the summer, I'm, I'm red. And if it's, uh, if it's in the winter, it's blue. And 
Mick, just quickly remind our listeners if they didn't hear you on last weekend, um, the Speedo Mick Foundation, what does it uh, support? Where does the money go? Okay, well, well, the Speedo Mick Foundation is supporting disadvantaged young people, homelessness and mental health, all of which I've uh, experienced myself in my own life. But actually, the walk is not about fundraising. The walk's about, uh, we're giving a quarter of a million pounds back to charity along the route. So if there's any charities in um, in Ireland that support mental health, disadvantaged young people and homelessness and uh, uh, who have an income of under a million pounds a year, you can you can uh, apply for a grant to the Speedo Mick Foundation. Just go onto the website, Speedo Mick web, uh, Foundation website. You can apply for a grant. So so that's what that's the focus of the work. We are fundraising, of course, because you know we're, we're a charity. I say we like I've got a big charity bank behind me, but I haven't. It's just me, but I've got a lot of support, especially from the Irish people, people working on my social media and all stuff like that. But um, yeah, but but what mostly what it's about, honestly, for me anyway, in, you know, personally, it's about making somebody smile. And I was dancing with Mary there in Limerick about uh, about a week ago. She was just she was just in there. She was just in there. Uh, past, you know, I was going past listening to my music and she yeah. started bouncing around in her wheelchair. <laughs> and Mickey made um, our own Katie O'Keefe here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM Smile yesterday. She passed you on the way home on the N20. Oh, <laughs> no, this, yeah. Oh, well, listen, on the M, yeah, that was pretty dangerous, that as well. Plus, it was lashing down. <laughs> it was lashing down. I don't know whether it was when... when uh, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was still stomping on, I'm still stomping on. I said, you can go through more than you think. And Mick, you were talking there about homelessness and, um, you know, you were you were stomping along. Uh, you're going to be stomping as to Cork Penny Dinners, a well-known homeless charity and a much-loved homeless charity here in Cork. What yeah. time are you going to be arriving at, do you think? Well, I think I'm going to be, I'll be there around about two or three o'clock uh, this afternoon. Because it's not, like you say, I stomped on yesterday, so it's not going to be too long for me. It's not not such a long walk as it should have been. Uh, so so I reckon around about two or three o'clock, and I'll, I'll put myself into fifth gear, and I'll, <laughs> I'll try and get effort. <laughs> and Mick, uh, Katrina Toomey is the lady who runs Penny Dinners. She's on the line now. Katrina, good morning. Oh, good brilliant. morning, Fiona. Hi, Mick. Hi, love. How are you doing? Can't wait I'm to good. meet you. I know, me too. We're all excited here, can't we? You know, and it's, it's just... All right, well, just make sure you keep your hands off, all right? <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina, what does it mean for you and the volunteers at Penny Dinners to have Speedo Mick call in this afternoon? Do you know, we're, we're all excited. Like, since, you know, we've been watching him and then when the contact was made saying he was coming to Penny Dinners, everybody's been looking in and watching, but isn't it just a brilliant thing? It's like stuff films are made of, but it's also, as he says, from the heart, and I suppose there's the connection, because that's where we operate from too as well. It's the heart place that keeps us going. It just means the world to us that somebody could think of us, and as he said, stomp all the way you know, to us, and we've had you know, the Everton supporters and we've had the Liverpool supporters clubs in Penny Dunners before. We've had Neville Southall and um, all the guys down in Crosshaven arranged all that. And we actually went down to Crosshaven and sang with the choir for Neville Southall and the Everton fans and the Liverpool fans down, down below. And that was absolutely amazing. So it's beautiful that right. we, because they have food banks as well over there and they're very well organised and, and up on that and that's that's what they do. The the fans 
So I just think what what Mick is doing is just, I suppose, it's courageous because it's hard to do what he is doing. Yeah. And it's graft, pure graft, you know. And I suppose, in a way, it reminds me of the volunteers because what we do is graft as well. It, it's tough, yeah, but man. he seems to be, you know, like us, tough and mm. well looking for <laughs> no I asked the Cox City Muslim Persons Search and Recovery team here in Cox to come along today and I asked them like would they come and kind of you know give them a guard of honour you know there's only a few yeah. of them there but they're, they're fabulous but they were they're all up for us and, and all of that like but then I told them I said the only thing is you know I'll have to wear speedos <laughs> <laughs> and Katrina, are there any Liverpool FC supporters there amongst your volunteers? Oh, don't you worry. <laughs> Nearly all of them, like. Oh, I might have... be a little bit late now, a bit late, maybe <laughs> seven o'clock. <laughs> we have we have Everton supporters as well, and of course we have uh, Menu diehards there too. So you know yeah, what, like. Liverpool is, is, is huge, right? You know, it's yeah. huge in Ireland. Katrina, this stuff, this stuff, or oh, just transcends football. It transcends colours. It transcends countries, and, yeah. and um, it's just all about coming together. And obviously, you've had a yeah. lot of support from different fans, different, you know, obviously yeah. and, um, other 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 countries and stuff. And that's what it's about. It's about us, normal, normal, yeah. average. People, people. Yeah. Doing, doing this stuff, man, for, for ourselves yeah. and, for, and for the people we love. You know what I mean? We can't yeah. depend on the powers that be. You just need to just get stuck in and get your hands dirty. And uh, yeah, man, join join together. And Mick, of course, you have first-hand experience of being homeless, haven't you? I have, yeah. Homelessness, addiction as well. I'm 19, just over 19 years, uh, clean and sober now. So I was in a terribly dark place. My mental health was, uh, you know, well, I certainly didn't want to be uh, trying to take my life a couple of times and, uh, you know, everything was a struggle. I was fighting, fighting, fighting and then one day somebody was just, had the, had the solution for me and that was uh, go to meetings, which I did mm. and I, I've never looked back since. I, I've lost my dignity, my self-respect, my home, my family and everything I loved was taken away through addiction and, and, and I've got all that I'm getting emotional and now even though it was 19 years ago I just feel the gratitude that I've, I've got my life back do you know what I mean and now I'm doing all this stuff but mm. it's only because somebody else held their hand out and said come on you, you know what I mean we'll, we'll give you an helping hand that's the only reason I'm here today so I'm literally just following their example I'm doing this stuff. I mean, I know I'm going, you know, I'm doing some, some mad stuff like 2,000 mile walking in there. Yeah. But it, it, it makes people smile. It brings their lips to the spirits up. It gives people something to talk about. It's a little bit different. My life is, it, it's like I've stole somebody else's life. That's how far removed I am from the person I used to be. And I'd say it makes you, know, you see a completely different reaction from people now. I mean, they're cheering you on, beeping as you walk past. But when yeah. you were living on the streets, it was um, somewhat different, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's completely different because as well, not just because of them, but because of um, it's, it's, it's what you're giving out. What you give out is what you get back. I, I truly believe that, you know what I mean? And mm. um, so and you know even my own family, they were. Uh, I mean they, they, they were just powerless over else. I me, mean, I had to make the decision myself, and I just I, I, the fear of, of me do, 
turning my life around and, and making a different decision, going in a different direction was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. But with the help of others, support of the other, other people, I, people, then I, I, that happened. It happened, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just so grateful for it, man. I make and I think a lot of people. The world and nothing but a pair of knickers. <laughs> it's a charity. Giving a quarter of a million pounds out to, to, to fantastic. Um, Courses like penny dinners, and uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm smiling. I'm smiling practically all the time. I never, and there wasn't a smile on my face for now twenty years, honestly. And now I'm packing them in, packing the smiles in. <laughs> <laughs> and Katrina, like you've had a lot of celebrities help out penny dinners before, um, but the volunteers are really what makes penny dinners, aren't they? So, yeah. do you need more oh, yeah. volunteers at the minute, or are you okay for volunteers? I, um, we're okay because we still have to keep our numbers streamlined over the COVID-19. So we're caught between a rock and a hard place because we've some of our regular volunteers that haven't been in since the start of COVID. So when we ease them back in, we'll probably open up to more volunteers then. But what we are looking for is we're looking for some drivers in the evening that could collect at Duns. Duns are very good to us, you know, and we need drivers that could collect at maybe... Duns and Douglas Court or Duns and Bishop's Court or Duns and Bellancolic. Okay, brilliant. And how are you for stuff like tents and food supplies? Do you know what? We're, we do so many, you know, hampers and we're giving so much stuff away at the door that they're always welcome and they make a huge difference to us when we get them because we can do more. Like yesterday, now we were delivering in Castle Martyr and, um, you know, today we have to we have a load of hampers to go to the various um, organisations mm. like that that come like to slim places like that. But we're always on the go, and we're kind of a small bit behind because, you know, we we were um, you know, it, it gets harder in the summer because when when you're delivering, and because of our low amount of volunteers, you know, we have to give the drivers a bit of a break as well, you know, because the heat was getting to everybody. Like, so we're about two days behind, but we'll catch up with that. Like, I'm the rain sure you will, Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> Great work as always, Katrina. Thanks so much. And Speedo Mike, uh, good luck with your walk from Mallow to Cork. And if anybody spots you on the road, give you a big beep. And um, thanks very much to the lads. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan today. Um, earlier, we I was speaking to Julia Haynes about the funniest things that people have brought home. Some of you have been in touch and uh, I'm loving these comments today. Um, I was out celebrating St. Patrick's Day or week when we were living in Vancouver on a year working holiday visa. On the last night of the celebrations, we went to Domino's on the way home and I thought it was a good idea to bring home the 10 foot Domino's pizza floor mat because I love pizza. The next day I woke up and it was in the front room and I had the furniture already rearranged around it. Somebody else has been in touch to say they brought home a door. 
I saw it in a skip and thought it would be funny to put it in front of my housemate's bedroom. So when he woke up in the morning and opened his door, there would be another one in his face. But I pushed the stolen door too far into the frame and it got stuck. So he ended up trapped in there for a while. (laughs) The poor guy. Louise has been in touch to say she brought home a frog, a live frog. Maverick has been in touch on Twitter to say 18 years ago I was staying at Upton Park. I sneaked onto the pitch, took some turf and brought brought back home on the plane. Somebody else has been in touch to say if my son did it in a few years I'd kill him. But I brought home a bus a bus stop before. <laughs> Guys, these are absolutely brilliant. Keep them coming in to us. 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. Another caller has been in touch, and this is something that we might get some callers' information and tips on. Hi, Fiona. I'm just wondering if you might ask callers if they have any tips. I've noticed my hair is thinning on top, and I'm just looking for some tips to help. Now, um, I'm not a medical doctor caller, but um, I do know that there's a product. It's like a caffeine-based shampoo that you could use. I've also heard that um, after your shower, if you stick your head into freezing cold water for a minute or two, um, that that could help also. And I think the science behind it is that um, it increases the blood flow to the scalp and this helps the hair follicle grow. Now, if you try it and it doesn't work, don't blame me. Um, But, you know, this is what I've heard. But if anybody else has any tips that they know have worked for you or you've heard of, maybe you would let our caller know. 1850-715-996- 083-396-9696. Now, um, on Saturday, Liam Reeves, he's from the Irish Rasta cell, um, or the Irish Rasta, sorry, and he is going to be attempting to break a world record on Saturday. Liam, good morning. Good morning. Liam, what's the world record attempt that you're making on Saturday? Uh, so it's for the world's longest freestyle rap. And how long do you have to rap for? Uh, so the current record is at 33 hours and 33 minutes. Um, so I'm going for 36 hours and 36 minutes to <laughs> round it off. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're practicing this, like, have you? what's the longest you've ever done in your training? Uh, so I did a practice run the other day of about four hours. Um, so, And I've been doing, uh, for the past year, I've been doing that as part of my uh, podcast that I have online. Um, the sec the end of the show is always me freestyling. So I guess in a way I've been preparing throughout the year, but yeah, there's not much you can do to prepare for it really. So like when you're freestyle rapping, obviously that's you don't have kind of prepared material. You're just getting up and rapping about whatever takes your fancy. <laughs> yeah, so um actually in the official Guinness rules you are allowed to um sort of do almost like rap karaoke. You can recite um either uh, lyrics that you've written before or people other people have written so one of the previous record attempts they did uh, do sort of like several hundred famous rap songs they rapped through all of them but mm. for me to be honest I'd find it easier to just have like a random word generator and just come up with rhyming things as opposed to having to memorize a, a long list of tracks and then recite them well and like 36 hours to even stay awake for 36 hours is like <laughs> is a feat in itself. So, um, do you know, like, do they factor in tiredness do, <laughs> or do you get like a little break in between? <laughs> yeah. So part of the, finish, uh, the official Guinness rules uh, for every hour of continuous activity, you get to take uh, a five minute break and that can stack. So you can do, say, six hours and then take a half an hour break. 
Okay. Um, so I think it's probably to avoid people getting a bit delirious and hurting themselves by just going way too long. And like, um, obviously, so. you'd need to eat as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kind of basic stuff. <laughs> get, get a good drink of water and not just like a very quick sip in between words. And Liam, you're from school. Um, how did you get into this whole rapping business? Oh, well, it's funny because I look back on it now. It's like before the internet and you could just like hear any music. I was like going through one of my brother's hard drives and he had some music downloaded, probably from Napster or something back in the day. Yeah. And uh, he had a couple of albums on there and that was where I just heard it. But mainly, you know, I've I've been writing poetry, like my mother's a poet and then her father and her right, her uncle were poets as well. So it's always been in the family. And I suppose, you know, poetry might, or rap might just be like the poetry for the new generation. So it's sort of, sort of been like a natural transition for me to go away from poetry towards uh, rhyming and uh, freestyling and rap and that sort of thing. And what kind of things do you rap around or rap about? Is it like um, like stuff that's happening in in world politics? Is it like COVID? <laughs> Is it just your friends, your family? Well, we try and stay away from politics in general, but. Mm. Uh, it's uh, it, it could be absolutely anything. And really, like, I think that's the thing is not putting too much pressure on yourself to do any one thing. Like, if I want to rhyme about what's on my mind, sometimes I'll be talking about what I'm going to make for dinner. And then sometimes I'm talking about actual philosophy or other times I'm literally just like trying to make a, a list of rhyming words. So the whole time I'll have a random word generator um, and there'll also be, it's going to be, the whole event is live streamed on all the platforms, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. So people can throw things in the chat as well. So it could really go any direction. And, and with 36 hours, I'm sure it will go every direction. And it's it's irishrasta.com. Is that how people can find you? Yeah. Or if they want, they can. I have a link tree as well, which has links to everything. Um, so that's uh, link. Uh, so it's L-I-N-K-T dot. Um, sorry. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash irishrasta. Or irishrasta.com, either one will do fine. Or you can just find all the socials, Instagram, YouTube. If you search on them, you'll find the page. And then within those pages, they have links to everything else as well. So I'm fairly well out on the internet. You should be able to find it fairly easy. <laughs> and Liam, uh, we've often heard our own Ross Brown here on The Breakfast Show doing a bit of freestyle rapping. Could you uh, give us a little bit of a bit of a teaser of what we can expect to hear from you? <laughs> oh, have you got some music for me there? Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Sugar. gosh, all right. Sir. I can do, well, like, I've got my random word generator up here. So, okay. like, I mean, it's, so there. So, I mean, for instance, now on the screen, it says, however, brick. Um, I, I guess, like, um, I said, tomorrow after this, I'll need, I guess I'll need a lick, some salt lick. I said, yes. I said, you'll all, you'll all be thick with me after this. I have to rhyme this. I try this. I said, put it together like a scientist. I designed this like a scientist. And it's a lot easier with a beat. Uh... And it'll be a lot easier. <laughs> That's, it's basically like random word association, but you just try and have those associated words rhyming is the, the, goal, the goal. But Fantastic. There'll be, some, there'll be some good bits and some bad bits for sure. Brilliant. Liam, listen, thanks so much and best of luck with that 36 hours of freestyle rapping on Saturday. He's starting at 10 a.m. and people can see it on it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Irish Rasta um, and best of luck to Liam with that now um, I'm going to Lisa Birmingham who was at the driver tearing, theory test centre in McCroom yesterday um, Lisa what happened? Hi Fiona good morning to good you good morning 
I tell you, Fiona, my daughter had her driving theory test that had been postponed twice, obviously, due to the pandemic, hmm. COVID. And her appointment was for 12.15 and she was told to be there a half an hour early, obviously, for COVID reasons and to sanitise. Yeah. So basically, we got there at about 5 to 12 and we could see all these innocent faces looking upon us and we just assumed that it was just a queue. Yeah. And there was about six or seven youngsters, like my own daughter, Megan, and she got out of the car and up she went and they were having a conversation. So basically what happened, Fiona, was they told her that when they arrived, because the driving test starts at half ten, I think, so, so they were there since ten o'clock. Mm. So when, when they arrived, nobody there, doors all shut. Sure. And, you know, they didn't know what to do or whatever and stuff like that. So the NCT, NCT test centre is just over a little bit from it. So over they went anyway. And basically, the lady in reception had told them that the test instructor, the, ter- the test instructor, got a call, obviously from headquarters, and was told to go to another test centre because there was no test centre there. And now, now we said, have emailed the um, Test Ireland for a statement, um, and we're still awaiting that. So um, okay. we're, we're trying to find out what actually happened. But did you end up getting uh, a tester then yesterday? She arrived at around quarter past one. Okay. And um, my own Megan was done at about quarter, about 20 to three, and she was out at about five past three. Okay. So, so it took three, three and a half hours for us. Some people were there since 10 o'clock. They got out around two o'clock. And, and it's not the thing, Fiona. There was no email sent out to them to say, look, there's an emergency. You know, can we... We 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 reschedule your date. You know, next week we'll sort you out or whatever. They were just all standing there in limbo, looking at one another. A lot of the parents, like myself, um, no no telephone number. Everybody was in limbo. Nobody knew what was going on. It was chaotic. It was like a circus. And I know I was speaking to some uh, a young fellow on the phone yesterday, and he yeah. was saying there were people there who had travelled all the way up from Castletown Bear and Skibbereen, which is quite a trek when you arrive Absolutely. and there's a centre that's closed. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I felt so sorry for them because they were all so positive. And, you know, it's a tough road to get on the, the driving ladder now with all the expense of, you know, theory tests and driving tests, you know, the 12 lessons and insurance. And it's not a cheap trek at the end of the day for the young people. Now, a lot of the parents are chatting. We were chatting amongst ourselves and a lot of parents sent emails. There was one lady there. She said, to be honest with you, she said, I just Googled a number. She said, because there was no direct number where you could speak, where you could have human contact, Fiona. You know, everything is automated and you press one and you press two. And basically, she said, eventually she got through to a call centre where a lovely girl, she said, named Lucy. But your poor Lucy didn't even have a number to give her. Just saying, are you sure you're at the right test centre? She said, yes, I am. I'm by the NCT. There's a little restaurant there that's closed. I'm here. And she couldn't do nothing really for her. The only number she could give her was the actual number that was the McCoon number where there was nobody there hmm. to take the call. And like Fiona, it's, it's not a one-off incident because a friend of mine, her little boy went up, she couldn't get his theory test in Cork uh, around two months ago. He had to go to Limerick and you're not going to believe this now. She drove up with her son and when she got there, there was another girl there very upset outside the door. It wasn't even open. Her husband then got onto when she got back home and they basically said, come back next week. Yeah, do you and know, then honest, the mid- a lot of people have booked time off from work to to go and do this. 
That's what the parents were saying yesterday. You know, look, I took um, a day off work to come up and I suppose you'd expect you to take two hours out of out of your day. You know what I mean? Mm. Three and four hours. And, and my question is, obviously, this is an ongoing thing with different centres. If it's happening in Limerick, it's happening in McCroom, it's obviously happening in other areas. And I'd love to hear from other listeners, have they had those experiences as well and, you know, in other test centres because yeah. it's just not on. And Lisa, a caller has been in touch with us here on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM to say the, the Charleville centre was closed for my daughter. We had even rang beforehand to make sure it was open. They said yes, but it wasn't. So I think yesterday definitely wasn't an isolated incident. And as you no, say, yeah. maybe it's happening in other places. Lisa Birmingham, thanks so much for bringing that to our attention here on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. So are you happy now, Ross? The heat and the sunshine is gone and the rain that you love so much is back. I was standing out in the rain yesterday. Kissing in the rain. Looking up at the heavens. Oh my God, you've no idea how good this is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a bit just went to my eyeball. (laughs) We call you Rain Man then. Rain 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 Man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tom Cruise. You're Rain Man. (laughs) Hey, listen. You're more like Tom Cruise liner. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at nildc.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan. Now, earlier we were asking listeners if they had any tips for thinning hair. A caller had been in touch to say that their hair was starting to thin on top. And um, somebody has been in touch to say, Hi, with regard to that person with thinning hair, really recommend them to follow at Truahair on Instagram. That's at 
T-R-U-A-H-A-I-R. Specialists on hair loss, great advice and products available on their website. I use Waterman's shampoo, conditioner and take a Nutri tablets and have had amazing results. Trua are really brilliant. Thanks so much for that. Now, um, earlier in the week, I was speaking to Sean O'Donnell. He's a man who had been the victim of child sexual abuse and he's been calling the new redress scheme a sham. Sean O'Donnell, um, last week the government announced details of a scheme that will entitle about 350 victims of child sexual abuse in schools to ex gratia payments of up to €84,000. Now, what was your reaction to that news? Um, initially, when I when I saw the, the um, announcement, I was delighted that something was, was happening uh, finally. Uh, on, on reading the announcement further, I, I, I quickly became very disillusioned and in actual fact was livid when I, when I read into the terms of the, the agreement. But I suppose there's a number of issues as far as I would be concerned. Um, first of all, a very, I, I, I think the timing of the announcement was, a, was very cynical. A week after the doll rose for the summer and a week before the courts rose for the summer, denying any discussion or debate about it and on the on the surface it appears to be to be great that the scheme is being reopened but when you delve into the terms and the criteria for applying for access to it victims continue to be denied justice in terms of redress by further imposition of these restrictive and unfair preconditions in for applying for access to the scheme it's wrong it's shameful um I suppose there's there's a couple of very obvious restrictions. Uh, the first one being the real prospect clause. It's it's a problem f- for me uh, in that uh, it's very obvious that had a system of reporting for child sex abuse been in place prior to 1992, that of course it would have made a difference. That's common sense. But the reality is that there was no system in place. And the responsibility for that lies fairly and squarely on the shoulders of the government. They're innate in their duty of care for us children. They let us down, sometimes with devastating, life-changing and sometimes even life-ending effects. How did your own life change, Sean? Um, I I ended up uh, isolating myself. I became a prisoner in my my bedroom. I, I... could not uh, cope, go out and play with 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 pals on the green like I used to. I used to be out all the time playing football. All that stopped when this thing occurred, and it was it was devastating. It 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 it, it changed me utterly. And um, to this day, uh, I have a fear of people. I I, I uh, would be very wary. Um, Almost paranoid that I that I was in fear or that I was in danger from people to it to to some extent. So it it, it has a had a had a life changing effect on me. I, I unfortunately have had a couple of attempts on my life, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not proud to say to say that. But things have been so dark and so so um, so dreadful that you know at times. You don't know what you're thinking, and uh, and you think that maybe that might be the best the best way of ending the pain and the suffering. What happened to me um, 
Fiona uh, was a life sentence. And I have to live every day with what happened. I have to try and survive with what happened. And just because it it happened over 45 years ago, it doesn't mean that um, it's finished and done with. I, I'm, I'm struggling every day with this thing. That, that man is the first thing I see in the morning when I wake up, and he's the last thing at night that I, before I go to sleep. And it's just all-consuming. I suppose one of my main um, concerns around this whole redress scheme is that, uh, as I said, this is a life sentence for me, and it's no less a life sentence because it happened in a day school. Mm. I I was raped every day in a day in day school by a teacher that was on the payroll of the Department of Education, and what the Department of Education by limiting me to uh, 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 restrictive access to a, a, a revised um, ex gratia uh, scheme redress scheme is basically saying that the rapes that I occurred every day in my final year in primary school were less heinous and less despicable because they happened in a day school as opposed to, for example, um, them happening in a residential institution. The Residential Institutions uh, Redress Board was established in 2002 after the Child Abuse Commission uh, uh, sat. And um, it was was set up in order to... uh, compensate in some small way uh, victims that had been damaged or, or, or abused in, in, in residential institutions. As part of that, or prior to that, the Child Abuse Commission had been established and, and all uh, victims were encouraged to uh, participate in that and engage with it, including day school victims. But then when, when the Residential Institutions Redress Board came along, day school victims of child rape and child sexual abuse were deliberately omitted, denied access to residential in, in, in residential institutions redress board without any explanation as to why. Mm. Uh, so basically, what they're saying is that that what happened to me, what that man did to me, when he raped me every day, is less horrible and less uh, life altering and life changing because it happened in the day school. And, and uh, so they've limited me to if I can, if I can manage to meet the requirements to get to get access to the to the revised scheme, they've limited me to a maximum award of eighty four thousand, where the maximum award for the national for the RIRB was three hundred thousand. Now rape is rape is rape, child rape is child rape, irrespective of where it happens. And Sean, you came down to Cork last or two years ago to visit the grave of your abuser. Why did you do that? Yeah, I had been I had been um, having weekly therapy sessions, and the, the therapist felt that it might it might be helpful for me uh, in the context of of my recovery. I felt too that it might have had a, a cathartic effect. So I went down. I, I, I drove down one Saturday morning and um, got to the cemetery at the church in County Cork and uh, at about 8 o'clock and I spent the morning or a good part of the morning searching that graveyard and eventually I found the grave of, of this man and I thought as I said that I'd be able to let Rip uh, kind of give out to him and 
demand answers and all. Not that I was going to get any there, mm. but um, I, I, I uh, as I said, I found a grave, and when I saw that uh, he was buried there, and his wife was buried beside him, uh, and I just, uh, I just felt. Um, uh, that this wasn't going to help. I, I cried at the grave and I told him uh, what he had done to me, how he had hurt me, how it had affected me, uh, the, the, the suicide attempts. And I asked him why uh, why he did what he did. Uh, but but I, I thought it might have helped being helpful, but ultimately it wasn't. And I, and I think I felt um, um, particularly kind of uh, uneasy because his, I could see that his wife was there and God love her she had nothing to do with this or, mm. or, 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 or anything like that and and I I, I suppose I didn't want to um, make a, a scene in the in the cemetery and over. so that, that that was it basically I went down and and uh, I thought I'd get I'd get some kind of closure from it but unfortunately it didn't really it didn't really help yeah. too much. Unfortunately. Listen, Sean, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM and for sharing your story with us today. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. O'Mahony's and Watergrass Hill have a number of live shows coming up from August Bank holiday weekend, including Neil Delamere, Cork legends of Frank and Walters, with gigs running up to September 10th with artists including Lisa Hannigan, John Spillane, Paul Noonan, Jack O'Rourke and Stephanie Rainey performing. Access all areas. Greenshine Torkin, Little Hours, as well as Cork Cello Quartet and Ficino String Trio. Comedians Chris Kent and the often divisive David McSavage are just some of the shows coming up at the outdoor Triscoll Courtyard. Tickets and further information available at triscollartscentre.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show play or exhibition coming up or any live stream events by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696 On Cork's 96FM Michael has been in touch to say churches for communion and confirmations are safer than pubs with people shouting at each other and I think that's in connection to the phone conversation we had earlier about pubs and the big weekend ahead for them. It's the first weekend of um, indoor dining and obviously it's bank holiday weekend so it's a big one for them. Uh, now if anybody is suffering from any kind of anxiety uh, maybe you would consider art therapy as a form of release. I've been speaking to Patrick Byrne He's an art psychotherapist based in Wilton. Patrick Byrne, you are an art psychotherapist with the Carrigaline Family Centre and you've been looking at the advantages, I suppose, and the benefits to um, uh, elderly people. Um, so just what have you been finding with, your, with the people that you've been treating? Well, I treat all ages and all people and what's coming out at the moment is anxiety. And that would be caused from where we've all been through the pandemic. So I'm there to help people help themselves. So 
you might want to know what an art therapist is, because a lot of people ask me that question, what is art therapy? So it's similar to counselling, where a divide a safe and confidential space, mm-hmm. and all the sessions are private. And um, now think about it, where do you ever get a space where people listen to you like me, you know? Yeah. So um, the only difference between me and a counsellor is I use creative material as well. So that makes me very specialised in the work that I do. So, And Patrick, I suppose with art therapy, it's not like you have to sit down and draw the Mona Lisa. You can just sit down and draw a few squiggles, isn't it? You can do whatever you want in my practice. It's all about choice. So you don't have to be an artist. That's one thing that people think you have to be an artist, a good at painting. You don't have to know anything about art or painting. So it's about like releasing your feelings through material, through creations. So if someone said to me, if someone wrapped up a piece of paper and they said, that's an elephant, I'd say, that's an elephant. Mm. So, you know, it's really about, it's about a lot of things, but it's about the processes involved in coming into a space and building a trust with someone like me, who's a therapist, and releasing your feelings and thoughts through material. And you said, Patrick, at the start of the interview there that the art art therapy is good for everybody of all ages. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing people of all ages coming to you and and looking to be able to to, to do it? Yeah, well, you know, people come to me with, you know, all ages, all backgrounds present mild to moderate and sometimes severe emotional and mental health concerns. Mm. So as an example, I've had people come to me for marital breakdowns, for stress, for low self-confidence, just to, or even to personal development, you know? So I cannot say, you know, it's one thing or another, but what I'm finding lately is kind of a lot of people are suffering a lot from stress or anxiety. And I, I just think it compounds it. Um, like, can I talk, my mom is a great um, person to look at as an example. She's 93 years old, right? And she's a great storyteller. And I noticed with the big lockdown, she really suffered, you know, and isolation and, you know, being by herself, that really affected her. So people want to reconnect and, you know, to understand where they've been because we're all suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder because of where we've all been. Mm. So coming to me and other people like me is really good for people for their kind of wellness and for their mental health, you know. And Patrick, um I, I see that part of the therapy that you do with people, that listening, you're, you listening to them is a huge part of that. And we often hear about, you know, people who have anxiety or mental health issues that it's important for them to talk, but it's also important for them to know that they have someone to listen to. So that's part of the therapy that you give to these people as well. Indeed, like, you know, if you go to a friend's, they may listen, but then they may turn around and say, oh, that's like me, you know, where I don't do that. So I'm very, what do you call it, um, what's the words now? I'm going to get mixed up now. Today. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, I'm non-judgmental, you know, and I just listen to people. And whatever's going on for them might be contained in their creation, whatever they make. Mm. And so we can gu- I can guide them through that piece of work. And they can release their feelings and emotions. A lot of people find it hard to talk about their feelings and emotions. Mm. Uh, So, you know, using creativity is a way of releasing that. And we can look at that. So, you know, it's very non-intrusive. You know, I might be looking at the peaks while they're talking to me. Because a lot of people find it hard to talk, you know, 
eye-to-eye contact. So I try to be very compassionate and caring in the, the way I work with people. Yeah, I was quite surprised I did an online art therapy course for four weeks there earlier in the year and um, I didn't really know a huge amount about it before I started and it was just completely wiping your mind clean, being there, just drawing on the paper whatever it was that you felt at that time or whatever came into your mind and I was really surprised at how, um, you know, and I wasn't talking to people or anything, I was just there in my own space but I, I found it really, really therapeutic and I was quite surprised at it and, you know, it's... Um, you know, and I think people always think that, oh, well, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to be a really good artist to be able to yeah. do that. But it's just finding something to fo- something else to focus on, even if it is only just for an hour. Yeah, you're kind of engaging your unconsciousness, you know. Mm. And, you know, as I said before, it's not about drawing or painting or being good at it. And it's not an art class. And I'm not an art teacher, certainly not. And, like, I don't interpretate a person's image or creation. And I can't tell the future <laughs> or predict the winning lot of numbers or anything like that. So there's nothing right or wrong in how you make a creation. And I call it a creation because I don't really want to say art because people are put off straight away when they hear the word art. Mm. Um, so, like, my own background, like, I knew nothing about art therapy six years ago. Mm. And here I am now, now an art therapist because I do believe in it and because I do it myself. I'm a, I'm a client to myself. How did you get you know? into it? Well, I kind of fell into it. Um, it's kind of out there in the public uh, arena that I went through an operation for cancer a number of years ago. Okay. And so I decided to do a piece around that um, because, you know, I was carrying a lot of emotions. Mm. And I think sometimes men, you know, we, we have a lot of emotions that we've nowhere to go to let them out. Yeah. So I decided to do something about that. So... I made a piece of work around that um, because I wanted to start a conversation with other men and with carers. And so from that, I found the art therapy course and um, I went to that direction. And like, I, I, I didn't come from an art background, so I kind of understand when people come to me, you know, sometimes they're very nervous about, you know, engaging in the process. So, you know, I can really empathise with that and help them through that the beginning is always difficult. Um, and um, so, you know, the fact that I've done it, I mm. understand where people are at, you know. So, and that was very revealing for me to say that to people, like, you know, I've had cancer or may, I may still have it sometimes. But I don't know if I have it or not. I live with it, yeah. you know. So I kind of understand when people are a bit older, when they carry kind of, you know, disabilities or other mm. things that may affect them, you know, I can understand that with them, you know. Brilliant. And if anybody does want to do this art therapy and, you know, have, have been inspired by what you've said here today, where can they go to get some information on it? Um, I have a website. It's my name, Patrick Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just Google my name. I'm all over Google, Dr. Google. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm all over it. You'll see a lot of articles about me. So I think I'm easy to find. There's very few men doing what I'm doing. At the moment, I'm running a group out in Matten Resource Centre and I work under Covert 19 protocols and health regulations. And it's a small group and it's made up of mostly women. And I just think that's really good for them to come forward, to reconnect with each other, but also it's a space for them to look at where we've all been and where our future is. So it's quite empowering for them. So, you know, they come and they can say whatever they want to say in the 
art therapy space knowing that nothing will go outside. And I think that's really, really good for people to be able to listen to other people. Mm. Because sometimes we bring things to a group and we might think, oh my God, I'm the only person who's suffering from whatever it is you're suffering from. And then you hear someone else speak and you understand that, oh my God, I thought I was bad. Maybe what they have is, is kind of worse. So it makes people kind of feel good vicariously yeah. listen to each other, you know? Absolutely. Um, and like this women's group, mostly women, as I said, um, you know, they're talking about their past. I'm going back into the past as women. I think, you know, in the article that was in the newspaper, it kind of alludes to how maybe women hold a lot more kind of trauma from living up in Ireland up to the 1980s, we say, you know, in regards to big families, no control of their bodies. So a lot of that is coming out as well. And I have younger women in the group who are listening to that. So that's really gratifying that the elderly women have a place to talk, but the younger women are listening to that as well because they're sharing stories. Mm. Brilliant. Okay, Patrick Byrne, thank you so much for talking to us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM today. Yeah, I was just talking to Wayne here about art therapy and I was saying that uh, I did it for uh, a couple of weeks. It was an online course during lockdown and even though it was just scribbles, it was a really nice way to uh, switch off for an hour or two and just focus on the paper. But um, I'd get my head out of the phone. But um, if being on the phone and being an influencer is your thing, well, are you considering it as a career choice? Um I know like my little seven-year-old now wants to be a YouTuber, he told me the other day. So, um, But like, is that the world that we're living in now? Is being a social media influencer um, becoming a career choice for people? Ryan Marr um, is on TikTok and he has 664.9 thousand followers. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. Did you set out to be a, an influencer, Ryan, or was it just something that happened uh, by accident? Um, when I when I was eighteen and I went to college, I um did it as a hobby, but I always had it in the back of my mind, like if I could do this full time, it'd be great. But um, I was in college doing computer science, and then I just had a love for YouTube since I was like ten. So I thought oh, I could I could see myself doing this full time. But back then, it was like in Ireland, it's just like very behind compared to the rest of the world. Mm. Like I grew up watching all the big YouTubers since I was a kid, so then. I bought my first camera and I just started posting videos and then after a year or two it just started taking off and I decided to make it like my main priority when I started getting big enough. And what is it about being an influencer? I mean like I was saying there that my little boy wants to be a YouTuber because like yourself he's watching these people online and it looks like such a glamorous um, lifestyle. What is it about it that made you want to become an influencer? I think it's just the the, the fun how fun it is and just the freedom in it really at the start like uh, being able to be your own boss and do your own stuff like for me it's not even I wouldn't even class myself as an influencer it's more like a video creator like there's so many different platforms and so many things you can do like there's people who are just on Instagram influencing and there's people who are on YouTube making daily videos and content for kids or anyone in general so it just it's just it's just like there's a lot of freedom and you can do Anything you want, really, is like a big stepping stone to anything. Like you can dip your foot in kind of anywhere, different platforms and different categories. It's just great. And is there hard work involved? Because I suppose like any media career, there's all the research and prep that goes into it, keeping yourself looking good, all of that, you know, putting on a good front for people. Oh, yeah, yeah there's loads of involved. Like it's not easy. Like 
even with my videos, it take a few hours to plan, to edit, to make, and then some videos might not do as well as others, and you just have to keep uploads, and then hopefully they get pushed a bit. Like it is, it is very difficult, especially at the beginning when you haven't a clue what you're doing. But it just you just get better and better at it. But yeah, it would be like any other like like equivalent to like anything else done through media like you have to do your research like i done my research through youtubers i watched and movies and tv shows and the kind of incorporated that like there's so much like that like it, it's hard like in behind the scenes people just don't see it and you live with shauna davitt aka shauna the sheep who has two hundred and sixteen thousand uh, followers shauna uh was it uh, like ryan why why did you want to become uh, a tiktok star um, well, I suppose I uh, I kind of happened on accident. <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't go on social media with the intent of, oh, I'm going to gain loads of followers and I'm going to make something myself. I literally just uploaded a video and uh, it got a, a couple hundred of, uh, thousand views and I was like, oh, <laughs> I just kept uploading and I was I said this was fun and I just, I just kept at it and here I am today. <laughs> and you both lived in Ireland's first TikTok house, which was named The Goat House. Mm. Yeah. What was that experience like, Shauna? Um, it was I I really like living with the creators. Um it was it was definitely a different experience because it was my first time moving out of home and being uh sort of independent. But uh, I really like living with the creators. Um it was really fun. I obviously uh started living with Ryan afterwards, so so but it was good. And what would you say to anyone else who's looking at yourself and Ryan, Shauna, and seeing, you know, the amount of followers that you've acquired and you have this kind of glamorous life? What would you say? What kind of advice would you give to them? Um, I suppose uh, being it, if you want to um, go down the route of uh, social media, being your job, be, definitely be in it for the right reasons. Um, and uh, be prepared, I suppose, for... Um, because it does look glamorous on a, a lot of people's pages, and um, be prepared for the like the, um, I suppose the bad parts of it. Um, don't would the bad all... part be trolling and stuff like that? Uh, not even just kind of like your like Ryan said earlier, like your bad days, like just kind of like if you don't get like the views you expected, or like um, if you don't get the reaction you expected on a video, it can it can be a little bit disheartening, especially if you put like a lot of hard work into it. So I suppose just be prepared for your bad days because um, TikTok and Instagram do do that sometimes where they don't push your stuff and it's, it is it is them. But it happens. So. And Shauna, just let people know um, how they can find you, follow you on TikTok. Um, uh, I suppose look up Shauna the Sheep on TikTok. I have two accounts, Shauna Dava123 and then Shauna's uh, the Sheep. Okay, and it's Shauna underscore the underscore Sheep123. Ryan, what yeah. about yourself? How can people find you? Um, it's just Ryan Marin 99 on Instagram and TikTok brilliant okay great stuff listen guys thanks so much for sharing that with us back after this can we just talk the opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The lines are live and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Cork 
Cameron in for PJ Coogan. Now, Steph has been in touch with us here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM to say hello. I found a beautiful watch on Red Barn Beach in Yall on Tuesday morning. Just wondering, could you announce it as it might belong to someone living in the city? The watch is worth around 150, €200. Some person might be looking for this expensive watch. They can contact my number. So thank you very much to Steph for that. If anybody did lose a watch on Red Barn Beach, maybe that's it um, with regards to the conversation I was having with the influencers imagine for a moment if you could influence real change in things like world hunger or climate change or health service or housing I like the Marcus Rashford version of or the Marcus Rushford version of being an influencer the man developed a separate skill built a name for himself and is using his profile to try to ensure school kids don't get hungry the problem with so many influencers will be that it's harder for someone to stand out and that can in from Eugene. Thank you very much for that, Eugene. Keep your calls and comments coming in to us 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. Now from influencers to interior designers, Jerry O'Toole, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Thanks for joining us on this Friday morning, Jerry. So my pleasure. Um, do you know, with regards to interior design, I know so many of us have been at home for the last year and a half and have been kind of relooking, I suppose, at our houses and you know, thinking about changing them around a bit. Um, what is the kind of main trend in houses at the minute with regards, I suppose, to colour in particular? I suppose um, it's funny you mentioned just about yeah us all staring at the four walls. I have a lot of clients getting in touch now that basically did nothing last year because nothing was open. And they're finally getting around to thinking about things. Some clients are after moving into older homes that they have to renovate. And the biggest issue there is colour scheme. So mm. before... Everyone loves yellows and orangey tones and terracottas, and that's definitely not where we are today. We uh, tend to go for cooler kind of color schemes like grays, whites, neutrals. Um, and it's amazing, actually. I put up a post on my on my Jerry Designs Instagram the other day, and it was a simple hallway, but had a lot of browny woods. There was a creamy floor, and just with a simple paint change to the doors I did them in like a charcoal grey and then the walls in um, a light off-white neutral like the transformation was huge so I'd say to people if things are bugging you at home definitely paint can be the most transformative thing yeah, because even um, in my own house now, um, we were looking at the same walls for 10 years. And obviously with young kids, they, they became quite battered looking. And we painted the whole house um, a while ago. And we wanted to, we kept a lot of the neutral colours. But one wall in one of the sitting rooms that we did was like a really bright blue. And um, I was just wondering, is that just us being completely off the wall? Or <laughs> are people trying now to kind of go towards deeper, darker, brighter colours in their house? I think um, it really depends. Like accent colours in a in a room were really popular for a while. You know, we all know of the chimney breast maybe painted uh, a different colour to the rest of the room. Mm. I think it's no harm having a pop of colour. We can all get very bogged down and things can look a bit boring if everything is just white and grey, you know. Yeah. Um, I like in, in a house to have a flow of maybe a gradient of colours from room to room. So... For example, maybe if you had a little pop of blue in your living room, it might be nice to go to the next colour 
on the colour wheel in the adjoining room. So maybe a soft screen or something brought in somewhere. I think mostly what's in, in popularity at the moment is I'm seeing a lot of whites coming back on walls. And mm. um, that's rather than the greys that have been so dominant for so long. But the important thing to understand then with whites is not all whites are created equal either. And that can be a pitfall for a lot of people because they might put in a lovely grey new kitchen and in their open plan space then they're going to paint their walls in what they think is just a generic white. And the white has a very yellowy or creamy undertone which doesn't necessarily complement the grey they're after putting on their kitchen. So there's a lot to think about. I think the best advice I could give to people with colour is to always understand that every colour has a base within it. So there could be a cool undertone or a warm undertone. So just watch out for that. And definitely testers are your friends because colour, light changes colour. You know, Mm. a blue colour in your living room will look completely different than mine. And that's just um, because of what light is coming into the room and what way the room is positioned in the orientation of the house, you know. And indeed, Jerry, our own Fergal Barry here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM last uh, yesterday was telling me about uh, different lights. Like there is a blue pink and a red pink. <laughs> yes, just in case we didn't have enough to worry about with paint. <laughs> now we have to worry about the colour in light. Um Often if I'm I'm chatting to a client and they can't understand, let's say they've, again, done up their kitchen and they have these lovely lights over the island and they're unsure as to why the lighting feels off in the space. Mm. It can sometimes be as simple as a bulb change because they've used uh, warm, warm light bulbs in some and cool in the others. And obviously those aren't going to complement each other very well. So... Lighting is a really important one to think about and plan out. And it's not it's not like it's rocket science either, but it does, if you have the opportunity and if you're doing a new build or renovating a room, it's worth actually sitting down and just planning out what's in that room. Is there certain zones? Are you, you know, obviously in a kitchen, one of the pitfalls I see a lot of the time is people will put in a ton of spotlights. And that's fine, but it's very harsh and glaring light maybe in the evening time if that's an open plan space and they want to relax with the family after dinner or sit at the island. It's important to have these lights on dimmers, but also to have different circuits for your lighting. So it's nice to be able to turn off those glaring overhead lights and switch on to a more accent lighting that's coming around the room and changing the mood entirely. And I think for for the for the average person thinking about lighting, a great place to go to understand levels of lighting is into like your your local restaurant or a nice hotel. They always have really well planned lighting, and it sets the mood entirely. And like, there's there's a lot of apps now that people can avail of as well that can like change the lighting in the house, isn't there? Yeah, that's. I think that those kind of. Um, newer modern takes on lighting is brilliant the way you can just switch it from your phone and change the 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 hue of the color coming through i know a friend of mine had um these i think they're philips hue bulbs 
And I think you can even get those in pennies now, actually. <laughs> and uh, you can change the colours from like green to blue. And like that's really novelty for the kids, obviously. I'd be probably one to stick to more natural kind of light tones. But I mean, there's just so many different um, opportunities to play with light now. And, um, do you know, like I suppose like with nightclubs as well, uh, I know we haven't seen the inside of nightclubs in like nearly two years, but they would use the same kind of lighting system to bring effect on, on people as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm, yeah, I, God, nightclubs feel like a distant memory now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they definitely put a lot of thought into their life. But I think my favourite, like my favourite interior to go into, and I've seen this uh, time and time again, um, people can spend a lot of money on their their new houses and they could lose it at the last hurdle, that being mm. the light. And if you walk into a space, you could have a really nice, luxurious kitchen, lovely furnishings, but you're going to feel uncomfortable if the lighting level is wrong. You'll mm. know yourself moving from um, a very glaring light maybe when you're out shopping sometimes I get kind of uncomfortable if it's very artificial glaring light it doesn't suit me for too long yeah. as humans we're not built to deal with that kind of very artificial light so I'd always favour something softer you know use your natural light where you can um, in your home but then just nice little pockets of soft lighting and I use in a lot of my designs, I'll use a lot of lamps as well and just stone out different spaces. You know, if you do have a big living room, maybe you have a little reading area over to the side. Uh, think about backlighting some of the fitted furniture because that can be an, a, another lovely element to to light up in the, in the evening time of the room. Um, and again, don't just make sure you have the conversation with your, your electrician if you are building. I've seen simple things go wrong, like you could have a really nice big feature chandelier in your hallway, okay? And then you've done a really nice wall light feature to highlight your stairs because you've put a lot of effort into your stairs. But because you've put those two lights on the same circuit, you never get the beauty of the stair lighting because of a simple switching issue. So just plan that through and think think about it from from day to night what you're going to need and you know your electrician will be a good person to talk to about that or obviously a lot of interior designers now do um lighting plans as well which can help if you're a little bit stuck brilliant thanks for all the tips and advice that's interior designer jerry o'toole glenn on the opinion line on corks 96 fm can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Thanks for all your nominations in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Now stay listening to hear who's made the shortlist. We'll announce all the finalists this Tuesday from 8am. Then get voting for your favourite. Get voting for your favourite. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Now, from choosing the right colours and lights for your house to decluttering your house and your mind, mind joining me now is Anne-Marie Kingston. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Fiona. How are you this morning? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thanks for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork 96 FM. So, Anne-Marie, how important is it to declutter our house, first of all? It is so important, Fiona, I suppose. You know, a lot of people don't realise the impact that clutter has on us. Like, first of all, it has unfortunately linked to anxiety and depression. So it's very important, again, for our own well-being to declutter. And again, make it I suppose it's like I suppose kind of brushing your teeth getting into the habit doing it on a regular basis and I suppose over COVID we've seen Fiona as well that you know that we had time we were always time poor to do these jobs and they were put on the long finger and now is a great time to embrace it because it's affecting our productivity our mood our concentration and a lot of more people Fiona obviously since COVID are working from home Mm. So again, that is very important again to have that workspace here that they can, you know, crack on with their work. Anne Marie, why do we have a tendency to just build up clutter in our houses and shove things into presses and shove things into the back of wardrobe that, you know, we think, okay, we're not gonna have to look at that for a while, but it's just all building up. It builds up, yeah, exactly. Now I suppose there's a few factors. Now the first thing is I suppose it's going back again to our ancestors, our parents, our grandparents, going back again, I suppose, uh, to the famine times, it was going back to scarcity. When we look back again and, like, you know, when we listen to our, our grandparents and parents, they had very little money back then. Mm. Everything was upcycled. I remember my mother talking, you know, and the shirts were turned inside out. Um, you know, everything was, you know, they really got value out of it. We yeah. live in a totally different society, you know. And, again, everything was kept for good wear, Fiona. It's like the Sunday best, you wore them to mass, you came home, you changed your clothes, everything was to be kept for good wear. It's again like here, I'm based here in Clannacill, too, in West Cork, and you're going back again like to the station, having mass in the house. Yeah. You know, the good china was brought out, the good cutlery was brought out. They were all kept for good use only. Not for like, not every day use. They were special items. Or again, items that were handed down maybe um, from... You know, from grandparents who would have inherited pieces of maybe of antiques or different pieces or jewellery. And we're absolutely, I suppose, again, as a nation, we're very slow to let go of stuff. Yeah. I and mean, like, I even know there myself, you know, like a, a, a cardboard box, something might arrive in the cardboard box. And I think, you know, I might use that box yeah. and I, I never yeah. use it and it's just there on top of a load of other stuff. So, like, I suppose the root of the, the clutter are, you know, the fear of losing memories, really, is it? Or that we might have a useful item that we found and uh, we may not find it again, you know, so we just hold on to it in we case. We hold on to everything, exactly. And it's that, like, that thing, as you say, that'll come in handy sometime. And I've been saying it, I suppose, since um, the 19th of March last year when I was uh, doing one-to-one sessions. I would have been doing nationwide decluttering sessions here in Ireland. And then, obviously, my diary was white. COVID kicked in and I took my business online with my membership site. And the biggest thing that came up for people were like, they're like, Emery, I never realised I've actually been tidying my clutter. So they were moving their clutter from one room to the next, Fiona. And And another part of that is like the homes are different we have way too much storage in our homes yeah. 
and we feel then, God forbid, if we have an empty press, we have to fill it. And <laughs> we buy an emotion is another thing. That's not, there's a lot of factors when it comes to clutter, to be quite honest. Um, and how often do we need to be decluttering? I mean, you know, we've bank holiday weekend ahead of us now. Should we be decluttering over the bank holiday weekend? Or is it just a kind of a like once in spring, once in the winter, or just once a year even? It's a, it's a continuous process. Okay. I'm, I'm afraid to send your listeners this morning. It <laughs> is like, it is nonstop. Like, I would have like a white bag, a 30 litre uh, white bag, bin liner bag going out here every Friday. I'm a mother of three kids, um, eight, six and uh, 16 weeks old. Oh, wow. And You're busy. <laughs> so it's a busy mom. And again, I'm here. Uh, we're dairy farmers here in China Kilsey. So, like the stuff, we must remember the stuff coming in all the time. So it's like everything. It's to get into the habit of doing it on a regular basis. People leave it kind of build up until something happens. And that's what I found as well. People were saying to me, I'd meet people during COVID and people would message me. And back before COVID again, we would, you know, we'd have birthday parties. We'd have some occasion coming on. It's like, again, going back to the station of the house. We'd give us, you know, it's like we would do a good old clear out once ever so often but when nobody was coming no we were visiting nowhere and a lot of clutter built up more over COVID because again sure I don't need to throw that out sure there's nobody coming and it is a mindset thing as well Fiona but I would definitely say do it on a more regular basis don't leave it for once a year Is that the number one sin (laughs) if we could call it that you see in people's homes that they're not decluttering enough? They don't know actually I suppose the biggest thing is they don't know how to start. They don't, don't know where actually where to start, first of all. And another thing is they don't realise where they can take their stuff. So what I'm all about, I suppose, since I started my business, Fiona, uh, over four and a half years ago, is I'm about re-educating people. Do you know, like the likes of the charity shops are fantastic. I'm very lucky here in Clannacilty. I have the bones of six uh, charity shops that I support uh, here when I do my one-to-one sessions. I take away the clutter from my client's home. And I support, I know exactly what they take in each um, shop. Um, and the thing is, like, it's about doing it, as I said, on a regular basis and be ready to let go. That's the biggest thing with decluttering. Decluttering is your ability to let go. It's items you haven't used, Fiona, in the last 12 to 18 months. And it is just about getting it out of your house within... 12 to 24 hours that's always I tell my clients um, to get it out as soon as you can but what if, if is it an issue with storage like what if there was an item that you hadn't used in 18 months but like you know you might use it <laughs> in a year or two um, do you know like is there should, should we be improving the way we store stuff that's yeah and I think that's the whole thing with it's all about I'm all about maximising your existing storage to its maximum basically utilising your storage correctly because I find that you know the more storage you have the more stuff you put in there and you'll close the doors to it Yeah. but it's just about seeing with a fresh pair of eyes and just just seeing okay really and truly what have I used I've been I've been saying this like since March last year if we have not used these items in a world pandemic Fiona when are we going to use them <laughs> <laughs> you know, really and truly, we have to, you know, we have to be kind of honest with ourselves too, yeah. because we can hold everything, you know, just in case, just in case. And again, what about it if we have to go out maybe in a year's time and buy that item again? So be it. <laughs> I'm Marie Kingston. Thanks so much for joining us. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996 On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan. And as you heard there, 24% of Irish people have tried online dating. And according to the webs- the, the dating app Bumble, this weekend is going to be the busiest weekend for singletons who are looking for love. Now, joining me is uh, dating expert Paul Newman from Catch Dating Singles. Paul, good morning. Good morning. Paul, why is the August bank holiday weekend expected to be the busiest time for singletons looking for love? Well, I suppose the biggest thing is that Mondays are the biggest um, uh, percentage of users of, of dating because over weekends, people, single people see other people happy in, 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 in groups or in couples. Um, so in the, perceived, in the perceived happiness, people look to the, week, to the bank holiday weekend as... as um, that's when they would like to find someone and, uh, and, and date. And so to see the same happiness as the couples. I would have thought Friday night would have been the busiest time for people as you're coming into the weekend, not Monday when we're all kind of going back to work. Well, I suppose that the thing about it is weekends is when, when single people hang out with a couple of friends. They would see them happy. And then the weekend, when the weekend's over, Monday, the, the loneliness kick in and they'd see the fact that, okay, now we need to find somebody. And they would transfer over to the dating apps. And that's when they could see like a very high percentage of people using dating apps in Ireland. And I know there was a survey done there that said that July was the busiest month for dating apps. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that as we're coming out of the, the lockdowns that people are getting uh, <laughs> hungry for love, should I say? <laughs> I would agree. I would agree totally. I suppose the biggest thing that... Like the last fifteen months has seen a big, um, big, a big blow for a lot of single people with regards to mental health. Um, they would see the fact that now, so with the socialising opening up, and um, they still can't really engage. But I, I would definitely agree there is a surge in online dating um, sign-ups in June, July, because they see that now these these uh, public bars are opening up and they want to be seen going out with someone. So it's far better off to find somebody online and then um, go out with that person during July. So I suppose it's just like in the build-up to the summer, everybody wants a nice body, so they would they could go to the salmon tower, they'd get tanned before the summer. Exactly the same thing with regards to dating. And um, just the vaccine situation that has been uh, such a big topic of conversation for so many different sectors, is it uh, something that we need to consider when we're going online looking for love? It is, of course. As you mentioned Bumble there with regards to the same with our app, iCatch. Um, the fact that a lot of these dating apps are using these vaccinated, unvaccinated. Um, I suppose, you know, a lot of people are looking from different angles saying it's like it's not very popular to, to list if you're vaccinated or vaccinated, unvaccinated. I suppose the, the key element here is bars and restaurants and uh, environments are opening up more to unvaccinated or vaccinated. Mm. I suppose it is becoming an issue with regards to dating apps. And as you saw with the HSC two weeks ago, I've kind of teamed up with a lot of dating apps with regards to doing a big push with the uh, the vaccination push. So I suppose it is. Um, I don't really like it because it's it kind of it's it's putting a, a kind of um, a, a separation on, on everything. But mm. in all reality, it is it is what the government's pushing. So I suppose it's a link up with dating apps. It sounds like a complete romance killer, though, doesn't it? Have you got a good sense of humour and have you been vaccinated? 
<laughs> of course, of course, absolutely. And this one big one big thing that I think a lot of our users realize is the fact that the, the, the dating culture is this whole concept of I am I am just a face. And that's one thing I suppose a lot of people, I think a lot of your listeners will, will, will resonate, is the fact that when we're, a lot of single people are used to going to bars, clubs, restaurants to meet people and getting up talking and meeting people and showing their real personality. Because Irish people are very, very funny and very charismatic. But when you go online, it's very difficult to kind of put that online. Hmm. So I suppose with Catch is probably the only dating app that allows your personality and shows your personality more than just your face. And as we're talking about romance killers, like what's the, the biggest turn off for people? Like what's the biggest killer thing to put on your profile? Of course, the the biggest thing from a, from a woman's point of view, if you ask 100 women, they'll say like, um, for example, sunglasses. Sunglasses, fish, guys, guys with fish. What? Guys, exactly. It's, it's the common ones. It's the ones that for, for guys are in, or girls or guys are in groups. And it's very difficult for people to kind of um, pinpoint who they are. Ah. So there's a there's a number of there's a number of key ones, but in all reality, everyone always says a good headshot. No matter no matter if you're if you're if you're if you're a face or radio, it doesn't make a difference as long as you show try and show yourself. But in all reality, as I said, the way the market's going, if you look at the market with regards to the acceptance of TikTok and videos and so on, more and more people want to show themselves. The more and more people are using online dating. Now, you said 24% of Irish users are using online dating, but in reality, the figure is way, way higher. We're one of the third highest users of dating in the world, Ireland is. So I suppose we are now more and more acceptance of showing more online. Yeah. So the idea of showing our, um, ourselves online in a video format, because if you look at most of the dating sites, you mentioned Bumble, for example, and that's where women are, are the leader. But in all reality, you still can show a picture and with Catch, we only do video because video will show the real you. So if you look at if you look at the majority of the industry, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners agree, is that the amount of times they went on dates with people and then the, the person they're dating is no way near the, the person they've looked online. Uh, somebody has been in touch to say they were in a restaurant last night and the table nearby, the guy was talking about his dating. Couldn't really hear what he was saying, but the crescendo was that the girl wanted a picture of him smiling. She sent a message saying, gold tooth, bye bye. He was very upset about it. <laughs> People just seem so cruel, you know. Uh, but a caller has been in touch with a question for you, Paul. What about us who don't have online apps? Are there tips for us to make connections? Um, well, I always say that the, the, the crucial element here is to just get out and talk. Now, I, I've always pushed people when they come to us and say, like, right, listen, you're better off going into a pedal station and just if you catch eye contact with a girl or a guy, go over and initiate conversation immediately. Just go chat with her. Um, you might feel very anxious, but it takes five seconds for your brain to kick in. And that's when your brain says no, no, no. By just acting you're actually initiating it. By, and by doing, it's like when you're teaching tennis, you don't perceive it, you just do it. And by doing, you learn. So it's just better off just going to the station today and just going up to somebody and saying, hi, and then starting from there. Brilliant. Um, Paul, just, Paul Newman, you're, you're from Catch Dating Singles, is that right? That's correct. iCatch.com. We're based in Wexford here and we have a video dating app that's specialising in relationships. Brilliant. And just before I let you go, uh, Paul, there's another caller been on to us here. How can we tell if people are on for the right reasons? Well, what, what are the right reasons? Um, 
I, I, it's very difficult. It's all individual because yeah. like, a lot of people could be on for hookups. A lot of people could be on for relationships. People could be on for different different things, LGBT or BDSM or whatever. It doesn't make a difference because Ireland's a very open market. So like it's it's always it's always best to be open and straight up front. What do you want? Say it straight away because then the the person you're talking to knows exactly what they're dealing with. The worst thing people hate is where you, you initiate with someone and then they aren't very clear and then you eventually spend a lot of time with that person and then it's wasted because they tell you what they want and that's not what you want. Straight right. up at the start. Lovely. Paul Newman from Catch Dating Singles. Thanks very much. And just earlier we were speaking about when you are on a night out, some of the funniest things that you've brought home. Brian has been in touch to say a clothes horse that was hanging out of a skip. It's still like new many years later. Serious questions were asked the following morning. I bet they were, Brian. And if anybody is going on their staycation this weekend, enjoy. And if you are going to be going around uh, Cork in particular and you want to learn more about seafood and what we have to offer here, um, I'm joined now by Lucas Serpa Maciel Lisboa. He's the junior chef de party at the beautiful Bunny Canellans in Myrtleville. Good morning, Lucas. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Glad to hear. Lucas, um, when we go on our uh, days out here in Cork, I think we always love to end up with a good old fish and chips. But there's more to fish and seafood than the good old fish and chips. Oh, for sure. Ireland has a such great potential for like uh, awesome dishes involved with shellfishes and uh, seafood in general. So I'm glad to see on how uh, the things are going to like the producers and how uh, much effort like um persons like BAM and on the fault Ireland are put like effort on that thing. So it, it's great being part of that program and it's great being part of um, tries to help the persons get more than fish and chip. And what, like, you know, you're, you're a chef there and, um, you know, what kind of dishes do we normally like apart from the, you know, the fish and the batter? Do we go for more simple things here in Ireland or are we a little bit more adventurous? No, um, well, I'm stick around the classics. I love a good bowl of mussels with a nice mm. bread to you know deep inside of the the stock. Yep. So yes, yes, <laughs> and you don't not going to be like it. Don't needs to be an adventure. You're just gonna grab a lovely piece of uh, fillet and make it in your house. You know, bake quite easy. So stick it in the oven and season with salt, lime, lime pepper, and you don't need that much. You know. It's it's good to be stickling the easy things. And um, Lucas, you're involved, as you said there, with the BIM uh, Taste the Atlantic, a seafood journey. It's a collaboration between BIM and Falter Ireland. And the exactly. idea is to promote seafood in Ireland. Exactly. We went to Karamar a few weeks ago to meet a few producers and learn about more shellfish and um, fishes and seafood in general. And so if people want to uh, go onto your website, what kind of things would they find on it? Is it just about different kinds of fish that are common here in Ireland, where we would get them? Is it that sort of thing? Well, we have like um, 21 producers around uh, the east coast of Ireland. And uh, in the website, you can get like a chart with all the information about them and uh, get the numbers to like schedule visits to a few of them. I know that Canamara oysters, they receive like um, visitors. So if you would like to learn more about oysters and um, oyster producers and uh, learn how to crack and o- open properly some oysters, I totally recommend that trip. And Lucas, you're from Brazil, is that right? 
Exactly. And uh, do the Irish have a more of appreciation for fish than the Brazilians, do you think? Well, I think they are in the same level with a few different in the process. I think the Irish, they appreciate much more than product. And the Brazil is more about the different kind of dishes that you can do with seafood. We put much more, a lot of season and other things with our seafood than the Irish cuisine does. And um, do you think, in your own opinion, that we do um, seafood well here in Ireland? Oh, totally. You only need to find the right place. And unfortunately, the persons, they only had like the perspective about the fish and chips. But um, in the last couple of weeks, I've been learning much more about this. and How the Irish cuisine can like be uh, surprisingly around the, the seafood dishes. And, you know, obviously it's lovely to go into a restaurant and have this beautiful seafood served up to you. But is there anything like simple fish that we can, simple fish dishes that we can do ourselves at home? Oh, totally. Um, one of the easiest things that you can do, um, I think the shoulder would be a great option. You know, you don't need to put a lot of effort or like be so difficult. Just grab a nice piece of fish. And um, the idea is um, being like um, mixing different kind of um, cell fishes and fishes in um, with a nice fish stock and some fresh cream. And Lucas, uh, we were speaking there earlier about singletons looking for love and about going out there on the, on the dating yeah, scene this weekend. So, <laughs> so if you were cooking up a dish for somebody to impress them at home, like what would you do? What would you make for them? Oh, that, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is not only about the dish, but you're gonna if you're gonna cook something for someone, take take that person in that process. You know, make something together, something that you would like to eat, something that is easy to you. And I think you'll be enjoying more the experience than only like make a dish and eating. So for me, it's much more about this. Lovely, lovely. And uh, I know I keep harping on now about the fish and chips, but like, you know, I'm actually, I just love fish and chips. (laughs) (laughs) No, they are great. They are totally great, you know. And I had a nice bowl, a nice plate of fish and chips. And goes well sometimes, so it's not a problem. Yeah, and I think it's like, key to get the batter right as well like you know sometimes if there's too much batter you can't taste the fish and you know it's just getting a good light batter on it yeah it's important to have a great proportion of butter and do not fish brilliant and things are going well down in Buddy Cavellans oh yes yes is everything went well and well the weather needs to help us as a coast restaurant where you're gonna like being a need for a, a great weather and in the last couple of weeks we did stunning Shining brining was like lovely to see on, um, you know, the faces be back to dining in, in the restaurant. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lucas. Have a lovely weekend and enjoy down there. Now, earlier in the show, I was speaking to Lisa Birmingham, who was highlighting a situation that arose at the McCroom Driver Theory Test Centre yesterday, where a lot of people were left waiting for a number of hours. They have been, the RSA have just been in touch with us here on the opinion line to say due to unavoidable absence of a staff member, there was a delayed opening for the Driver Theory Test Centre in McCroom yesterday. It opened at 1pm instead of 10.15. All 17 persons affected are being communicated with and tests are being arranged free of charge. So thank you very much to them for clarifying that for us. Also, um, Dee has been in touch on the issue of hoarding to say, yes, I agree on the clutter. It can be an illness for some. An unhealthy habit can take over someone's mental health. Thank you for that, Dee. And thank you as well for your kind comments. Also to Pat, who has said, hi, Fiona, thanks so much for your brilliant shows for the past two weeks. We will miss you. Thanks, Pat. I'll miss you all too. And 
and thanks very much as well to the team here at the Opinion Line. They've been doing an absolutely fantastic job over the last two weeks. Fergal Barry, Katie O'Keefe and Wayne Hilton. PJ will be back with you next week. Enjoy your bank holiday weekend. Bye. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.